don't know about you, I feel like we've stepped into this vortex of <laughs> stuck in this time warp where things aren't getting better. I have a friend who reminded me, he saw a meme that said, all right, we're five days into 2021, here's to 2022. Honestly, the weight of this past week, um, as I found myself getting angry at national events, uh, feeling helpless and frustrated over the continued surge of uh, the COVID-19 virus, saddened by the loss of a, of a good friend and a faithful member of our congregation, uh, hurt by the stress that is being placed upon our frontline workers, uh, doctors and nurses, and People who are there to, to aid those in trouble. Just mumbling and grumbling. I threw a pity party for myself. It was great. I was celebrating by myself and it just left me anxious and disappointed. Meanwhile, later that evening on Wednesday, the 6th, when I was about done throwing my little festival for myself, I, I checked on some social media. I, and I uh, saw some of my cousins who, who live outside of Washington, D.C. And they were gathered together um, as a family. They were there with their, in their home with their children and grandchildren. The interesting thing was is that they were having a little family party, a little celebration for themselves. It, but it wasn't just any celebration. It, it was actually a feast. They were commemorating an important biblical story that the church uh, commemorates together on January 6th every year. You may know what it is. It's Epiphany. It's the story of the three wise men as they come into Jerusalem. It's the story of when God reveals himself to Gentiles for the first time. Those Gentiles, the wise men. You know the story where the wise men come into Jerusalem and, and Herod and, and all of Jerusalem with them are, are frightened because these wise men are asking, where's the newborn king? We, we've come to pay homage. We've come to worship the newborn king. And Herod, in his scheming, he says, oh, I want to too. Uh, when you find him, come back here and let me know because I too want to worship the newborn king. Well, of course, we know he was just a a dirt bag, and he was wanting to, to eliminate the, the newborn king. Wise men. Thankfully, they were wise enough not to go back through Jerusalem, and they went home through a different route after they found the Christ child and, and knelt down and offered their gifts. Well, back to my cousins, my family, who live outside of Washington, D.C., that evening on the 6th of January, they were gathered together with their grandchildren and their, and their children, and they were celebrating, and they had their nativity scene out, and the, the grandchildren were, were placing the wise men around the baby Jesus in their nativity scene. One of the uncles has a, a replica of what might hold frankincense, and they were retelling the story. They were teaching the children this story and how this story unfolded. It was an interesting juxtaposition for me. I, I saw that this story, this narrative of God revealing himself to humanity, coming down to meet us, 
the wise men there gathered. And here's this family remembering this story, remembering this narrative in the midst of another narrative that we all experienced on Wednesday. I confess it opened up my heart. It shined some new light into my soul. It reminded me of the story of the narrative that we are called to live by, the narrative of the Christ child coming unto us, Emmanuel, God with us. I needed that hope in my life on that day. You know, we have a variety of spiritual resources that we depend upon as we grow in our faith, as we, we stay connected with our, with our Savior. One of those is prayer, and Tenley shared with us a prayer that opened up our hearts and our souls so we could hear God's voice. We also heard scripture, right? You know, on Thursday, we gathered together on a Zoom, on a prayer meeting. We had a, a noon prayer meeting, and we invited members of our congregation. We gathered together on that Zoom, and we prayed for our nation. We prayed for our congregation. We prayed for our world. It's a spiritual resource that helps us in our, in our faith, in our faith life. Another spiritual resource, of course, is God's Word, but the proclamation of God's Word. And this morning in our scripture lesson, that's exactly what's happening. God's Word is being proclaimed out in the wilderness, and, and all these people from Jerusalem and, and Judea, they all come and descend to hear God's Word proclaimed. It comes out of Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to read to you uh, that passage, you can follow along on, on the screen, or you can follow along in your own personal Bible, and you can take notes, and, but hear God's word out of Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but... He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven, You are my Son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have often wondered, and we have often wondered together as we've heard that passage read and that scene, is why is everybody going out to listen to this wild-eyed, wild-eating wild living guy out in the wilderness. What's the attraction? What, what are they doing? 
All the people, it says all the people from Jerusalem in the whole countryside are coming out to receive this baptism of repentance. It's kind of like if everybody in Rancho Santa Margarita here, we all decided to, to walk down Tribuco Road and, and down the canyon there, and then we all went to O'Neill Park, and there's a stream that sometimes is running, and, and then there's somebody in the water, and they're yelling and, and saying, repent, repent, and then everybody's like coming up close, and then he splashes cold water in your face. What church, what ministry leaders wouldn't be excited about having that happen. Wouldn't that be cool? I, I'm going to ask our fellowship elder to figure that out so that we can do that together maybe someday. It's an amazing scene. Here are all these people coming out to hear John preach, to proclaim God's word. And the message compelled the whole population to come out. For them, baptism was like a new beginning, a, a new start to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be cleansed. You know, when we participate in the sacrament of baptism together here in the sanctuary, and we will again, after I baptize the child or the adult, I'll say these words, I'll say, you are loved by God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you belong to Jesus forever. You know, when we think about baptism, and we think about baptism, and we observe baptism, in some ways, we are able to renew our own baptism. So maybe take a moment to think about when you were baptized. Maybe you were an infant, you don't even remember, but you remember the, the faithfulness of a family, a faithfulness of a church that brought you forward. Maybe you were baptized as an adult. But hear these words again. You are loved by God. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And you belong to Jesus forever. These are God's words to us. To give us courage. That is the narrative that we are to called to live by. That is our story. Another thing that's happening in this passage of Scripture is it says that later Jesus now comes down to the water, to the river, to receive the baptism of repentance. Now, scholars scratch their heads on this one. Well, wait a minute. If Jesus is holy, without sin, why would he need to go down and get in the murky water of the Jordan River? Many scholars argue that what Jesus was doing was radical solidarity. Radical solidarity, what, is, what does that mean? Well, it means that he's identifying himself with a human condition. He's identifying himself with you and me, with our sin and our need to repent. You see, he's not afraid to be identified with you and me, with humanity. He doesn't sit back and Keep at arm's length. Well, no, I'm a royal king, and I can't come near you, and I need to keep my distance from you. I, I can't be associated with your sin. 
You know, many would say, why didn't Jesus, you know, do that? Why didn't he stay above the fray and, and not wander into the murky waters of, of the Jordan River, wander into the murkiness of the human condition? It would have been much better, wouldn't it? And we know through the narrative throughout Scripture that Jesus paid very little attention to appearances. The religious leaders of the day, they they all blew a gasket when Jesus would be seen eating and drinking with with sinners and and tax collectors, all all those that the, the religious leaders and the institution thought, oh, you can't be with them. You'll be rendered unclean. Jesus reaching out and touching lepers. Jesus reaching out and healing people with wounds and soreness and brokenness. He wasn't afraid to be associated with humanity and humanity's brokenness. And it's interesting, at the very moment when Jesus steps into the water, the heavens are torn open. It's a powerful image Now, God is ripping open the skies, the heavens, so that now there's that relationship between humanity and God is now on grounds to be restored through his Son, through his Savior. And at that moment, when the heavens are torn open, we hear God's voice. This is my Son. I am so glad. I am so pleased. You know, those are words for us this day. You see, Jesus, God sees us not as we were or in our own brokenness, but God now sees us as we are in Christ, as we are in his Son. God looks at us and says, you are my dear child. I am so glad. I am so glad that we can be in relationship. I heard a story this week. A teacher was telling me about some of the things they're, they're working through and having school. Now some students are able to be in class and, and some have to be online. And It's very difficult for our teachers to, to manage both of those things at the same time, and sometimes they get discouraged. And there was a teacher, they were talking together, and and one teacher says, I just don't think I'm making any difference in these students' lives. Because sometimes students are just dropping off, and they're not even participating, and some are failing, and and they just, they get discouraged, and they're saying, I I just don't feel like I'm I'm doing anything. I'm not making a difference. And this other teacher said, you know what? I learned something at my church something that we need to live into these days. We need to be gracious with ourselves. Be gracious to yourself in the midst of this pandemic. Be gracious to yourself in the midst of this confusing time. Be gracious to yourself because God is gracious to you. Maybe those words when we hear from from God, you are my, my child and I am so glad. <laughs> Be gracious to yourself. You are my baptized child. When we're baptized, we are ushered into a, a whole new reality, a new narrative. 
And that story unfolds in our lives. Just like my cousins, as they were retelling that story, the new narrative of God entering into the world, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. That is the narrative that we live by. That is the story that we have hope in. That is our story. And that is what we're doing right now. Being reminded of God's love and grace in our lives. Being reminded as we were heard this, this morning as, as Carol read, Carol Chafee read this, the passage of scripture. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore, we will not fear. Allow me to pray. Mighty God, our refuge and strength, always a very present help in trouble. Please quiet our fears so that we may hear your voice of assurance and grace. We pray that you bring calm to discord, healing to divisions, and hope and despair. Lead us as only you can do to live in acceptance of each other's differences and united by our common hope in Christ, the Messiah, Savior of the world. We pray for people of goodwill everywhere and all who work for justice and compassion. Strengthen us to build communities and neighborhoods of hope and peace. And as a church, renew our courage and our commitment to love God and love our neighbor. Amen. Dear friends, I want to thank you for your faithful giving throughout 2020 and your strong